Welcome to PB&J at the Movies. Uh, today we are reviewing Bohemian Rhapsody, the biopic of what is arguably the greatest band of all time, Queen. Um, today it's me, Becca. I'm Jeff. And Philip can't be with us, so we've got my husband, Clark. Say hello, Clark. Hello. Clark is a um, self-proclaimed queen aficionado, so um, we wanted him here for, for this episode. So thanks for joining us. All right. Well, welcome to PB&J at the Movies. Um, like I said, we're reviewing Bohemian Rhapsody today. Um, Jeff, what did you think of this movie? I really liked the movie. I thought the entertainment quality was very high in it. Um, I enjoyed myself during it with the few exceptions that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Clark, what did you think? I thought it was fun. And I thought that it was much like going to a concert, especially towards the end. I really liked this movie as well. Um, like Jeff, there I have a few reservations about it that we'll talk about. But overall, I agree. I thought it was very entertaining. I thought um, Rami Malek, the, the actor who plays Freddie Mercury, um, was very convincing uh, and uh, did a great job just down to his body language um, so yeah, really enjoyed this. Um, I too am a huge queen fan and so it was really fun to see. I think, um, the best part of this movie is obviously Rami Malek and, uh, his performance. I think that's by far yes. the best part of this. Um, you look at him and you see Freddie Mercury. Mm -hmm. Um, his gestures, his movements, his teeth, his prosthetic teeth that he's wearing. So I think, and the supporting actors as well. Mm -hmm. I just saw a picture of, I don't remember his name, but the gentleman who played the guitar, Brian May, Brian May, the hair was spot the on. The hair was spot on. And I loved that. I'm guessing this was accurate. He never changed his hairstyle. No, because throughout I saw the decade, he's got it's a gray. It's a gray colonial wig now. Yes, it's the same thing. <laughs> same same hair, just gray, gray now. Yes, yes. Um, that was one thing that I thought was interesting, especially the bass guitarist Andrew Deacon, I believe his name is mm -hmm. or name was. How he especially had lots of different changing hairstyles, and I love that they. Um, I love that that detail that they paid attention to the changing hairstyles. And, uh, that was one thing that I really liked in this movie. Uh, like I said, was the attention to detail and the current is, fashions and yes, which is so interesting that they paid attention to that detail and not to other details. Right. Which we'll talk about here in a minute. Right. Yeah. I'd like to talk about the title and, uh, because I don't feel like it fits. I, Bohemian Rhapsody is obviously the, the song that they are known for the most. And there might be, I don't know, I'm just having trouble coming up with a reason for why they chose that. I, I think it doesn't accurately describe what the story was telling. I think that this was a story 
about Queen and Freddie Mercury. Uh, if I had to sum up in, in one word, I would say family. Because they there were times where they argued with each other, they almost fought at different times, and they loved each other, and they all came together for one thing, and that was to make music. Uh, <clears throat> which resembles a lot of like how a family would, would uh, enact with one another. Um, I wouldn't say it's a... Uh, a Queen movie, though, because it had a lot to do with Freddie. Freddie was the main character, and so I don't think that you could call it call it a Queen. Uh, but then again, it's not about one song; it's about Freddie, and that's where I struggle with uh, the title of the name. The, the only reason I would see maybe Bohemian Rhapsody being the right title for this film is just because um, uh, of all the songs that Freddie has done. When you read the lyrics and you read people's opinions of that song, it's very, um, you get very many diverse opinions on that song. What does it mean? Uh, no one really knows. And so uh, there's a quote from Freddie uh, back whenever the uh, song hit the top of the charts. He said, really, I just want the fans to uh, have their own meaning of what the song means. And I kind of think that, metaphorically speaking, speaks to Freddie's life. Freddie, to me, didn't really have an identity. He, 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 he was always searching for who he was, and you could see that in the movie, I thought. Well, that's how the story came across mm-hmm. to me. And it's, it's, I think it's interesting how you could kind of see that in the music that he created. It's very eclectic. Uh, it's all over the place. It's very uh, creative. And I thought that, um, I thought that, that was uh, appropriate that they showed that. So, so maybe, the, maybe that song title has something to do with that because it's a song that everyone knows, but no one really knows the meaning to. Kind of like Freddie, we really never did get to, or Freddie never did really maybe figure out who he was as a person. Should he have this type of sound for his music or this type of sound? Um, you know, all these things that, to me, he just questioned about himself. And so, anyways, that was probably my biggest takeaway and then the first thing that jumped out at me. I, I think that that's interesting. There's one scene where the band is meeting with um, the producer who is played by uh, Mike Myers, and they're talking about how you can't really define mm-hmm. Queen. Um, and it's true. You can't define Queen, and at the same time, you can't really define Freddie Mercury. He was one of a kind. So I, I think that that's a very interesting point. The other thing is, I agree with that for most of the movie, but I think they tried to show closer to the end of the movie that he was finding himself more when Mm -hmm. he met Jim Hutton, Mm -hmm. who said, in a very pivotal part of the movie, said, go find out who you are and Mm -hmm. come back. And I think he kind of did that and then came back. And we don't really see the end of his life because the last part of the movie is Live Aid in 1985, and he didn't die until 1991. So mm-hmm. we don't see those last six years. So it kind of insinuates that he kind of did find himself closer to the end. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, 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 the most memorable quote I remember him making was in the very beginning of the movie when he said, I was born a performer, and I'm going to give the fans what they want. Mm-hmm. And then you see Freddie kind of, get caught up in the fame and the glory and the money and his relationship with Paul kind of falls off the wayside. Um, the band splits up or he leaves the band 
And then, yeah, he does come back in the very end, gives an awesome 20-minute concert, and performs and gives the fans what they want. And I think that's kind of like himself of you know coming back and finding himself. So I think that's a great point. And that kind of brings us to one of the issues we had with this movie. They had a lot to cram into one movie. For sure. Um, Queen was together for at least a couple of decades. Uh, from, what, 1970 to Freddie's death? Well, technically, they're still together mm-hmm. um, performing. With think, Adam Lambert. Yeah, they're touring <laughs> with Adam Lambert right now. Um, <laughs> but I guess the classic the classic group that we know and love um, was together for a couple of decades. And so that... And a lot of things happened in those two decades. And so trying to cram a bunch of that in, into, into one movie is nearly impossible. Um, there were a few pacing issues. There's one scene where... Freddie is at home with his parents and the band and Mary Austin, and I believe they're celebrating his birthday, and he reveals that he's changed his last name to Mercury, and then also in the same scene, they're go, you know, it becomes clear that his father is disappointed in who he's grown up to be, and then in also the same scene, he gets a phone call that they've been picked up by a major record label, so there were several things that they tried to cram into one scene that just seemed, um, I don't know, that didn't really work for me. Um, and then the biggest issue I think we had was because there was so much to cram into one movie, a lot of things like how they wrote and recorded certain classic songs were kind of rushed through But then at the very end, this is not a spoiler, everyone knows that Queen played at the Live Aid concert in 1985. They show the entire 20-minute, 25-minute set that the band played all in real time. Yes. You know, there was nothing that was skipped over. Uh, So you have the whole first part of the movie that, you know, you're, you're rushing through certain scenes just... And then the very end, you show the entire set, and it just seemed like it went on for a long time, and it didn't really match the quick pace of the rest of the movie. Yes. So I kind of had an issue with that. Clark, you were, I think you mentioned earlier, you didn't, that didn't really bother you? Um, <clears throat> I didn't. I well, obviously, I'm a Queen fan, and so it didn't bother me as much, but maybe to someone who doesn't like rock or the band, maybe so, they were not like that. I felt like the story had already come to an end, and so this was not even part of this. It was kind of part of the story, but not really. It's kind of like its own thing. I enjoyed just being in the auditorium watching a concert. Mm. It was like I was actually there, and um, just to see the audience... Uh, respond to him and all that stuff. It's just, I felt like I was actually there in concert with him. So I kind of lost track of time myself. And I think that goes, the fact that you said it, the the story was over and it's kind of like its own thing. I think that means you're actually both kind of saying the same thing. Because Clark, you're saying you enjoyed the music and it was more like a concert thing and you enjoyed watching that and the audience responding to him, but it wasn't really part of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're saying the same thing, mm-hmm. but you're okay with it because you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, too. I just think it doesn't fit mm-hmm. with the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the... It was the climax of the movie. Yes. And that could have been intentional. It and could remember, have. I mean, I, I know the neither one of the band members were the writers of this movie, but a lot of the source material came from what they lived and saw. Who's to say that they wanted it to be that way? And that's kind of like them reliving the days back when they were on stage that day. I don't know. And that's true. They had a lot of input in this movie. They didn't like Sasha Baron Cohen, and that's why he didn't play it. Can you imagine if he had played Freddie Mercury? I am so... (laughs) The entire time I was watching this movie, I could not help but think, how different would this have been with Sasha Baron Cohen? I think... Brian May was quoted as saying he did because Sasha Baron Cohen is a comedic actor, he did not think that he could have done the role of Freddie Mercury justice. However, I see them as two very similar human beings. I mean, they're both sort of outrageous. Mm-hmm. And I think while I loved Rami Malik, I I couldn't help but be curious, you know, what what a Sasha Baron Cohen version would have been. I know that he wanted to do a more R-rated film, more raw um, depictions of Freddie's life, his sexuality. I don't know. There were times when I was watching this movie where I thought they toned it down a lot. And I know that the uh, two band members who were producers wanted the band to be portrayed in a good light. But there's one scene where Freddie is having this epic party and the three other band members are there with their wives and they're just sitting in a living room and they all get up to leave, you know, because they're bored. And I thought, there's no way that's how that really happened. They were one of the biggest bands at that time. We've all heard stories about, you know, big hair bands and the crazy mm-hmm. stories they have and the parties they went to. There's no way these three other band members were just sitting there in the living room with their wives bored. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I couldn't help but wonder, was that in the movie because the two band member producers didn't want to show how crazy they were? I don't know. I just... Which maybe I thought maybe that was a conflict of interest. They have kids. Yeah. Like, do you want your kids to know that you did a? I know, but that's a conflict of interest. Like, we want to. Your wife. Yeah, I. But I just I felt like it was very toned down. It was very PG to me, and I did read that one time Freddie talked about how in an interview how he hoped that one day his life would be made into. Some sort of movie. I don't really remember exactly what the quote was, but he said it would definitely be triple X rated. And I couldn't help but think about, you know, that's not what this movie was at all, you know? So this movie was not, I don't know. I thought it was, I think they wanted to make it as appealing to, you know, a broad audience as possible. They wanted as many people to see it as mm-hmm. possible. But like Freddie said in his quote, I I have no doubt he led like a triple X life, you know? And so 
I just, I just can't. It's insinuated. It's just not. Yeah, shown. I know. It was just very watered down. I felt when Paul like. comes home with like ten guys, well, who are all wearing leather. That's true. <laughs> Paul, how would you describe who Paul is in the movie? Paul is his man. Becomes out, his manager. Starts out as like a bodyguard maybe maybe didn't he say like you go with the band and make sure they don't get in trouble or yeah something? i think paul i i can't remember his last name paul started out maybe as his bodyguard who worked for his manager then when his manager was fired paul became his manager but paul is portrayed in the movie as a villain and you know, I think it was obvious that he wasn't a good influence on Freddie's life, but that was one thing in the movie that I didn't really care that much for is his character was very black and white to me. It was very like, mm-hmm. Paul is the bad guy. Paul is the villain when that's not really real life um, most of the time. But yeah, so those were some of the pacing issues we we kind of struggled with. So we with. should get into spoilers. Yeah, so... Now we're getting into spoilers, so if you haven't seen it yet or you know nothing about the band Queen, you should stop listening now. Um, But other than the pacing, one thing, if you've read any kind of review on this movie, uh, a lot of critics are painting this movie because of the um, inconsistencies with real life. Um, There's a lot of factual errors with the movie, One being, um, it shows the band like breaking up and not really talking to each other for a few years before this Live Aid concert, which was not true. No. Uh, The band never really broke up. They, uh, a couple of them, including Freddie, you know, broke off to do some solo projects, but they never broke up as a band. Yes. And I think it's interesting that some of these details are, because they did pay so much attention to the details of the changing hairstyles of people mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and then we just chose to blatantly ignore certain details, which I think is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, between that, between Freddie Mercury knowing he has HIV before Live Aid, which is not accurate either... He was diagnosed in 1987, which was two years after. Yes. So he may have noticed symptoms, but he didn't for sure know a medical diagnosis until two years later. And they show him going to Mm -hmm. a clinic and talking to a physician who tells him Mm -hmm. before the Live Aid concert. So there's that. Even small details. So um, at the end of the movie, they say he was cream made it because his family was Zoroastrian and that's not what Zoroastrians do if yeah. you look um, if you research it they don't cremate and they don't bury their dead either they isolate them and let them decay so so that was not even a screenplay issue that was just something that you could find out through a simple google search right so and i'm sure he was cremated but it wasn't because his family was Zora Ashley. Right, they so got their facts underst- wrong. I don't understand why you would put that in there. Just say yeah. he was cremated. Yeah. So do we think that, which I again, I'm speculating that most of the source material came from the two remaining band members who produced the movie. Do we think that some of these inconsistencies in the movie came from just 
them trying to put lipstick on a pig and make the story come across, come across more, you know, memorable or entertaining, or are they just speculating because they weren't there and they don't quite know? Like, how do they know how that conversation went with uh, Freddie Mercury and Paul in the rain? They weren't there. So and you're so, right. They weren't there, and so they're speculating on that, unless Freddie told them how it went. Mm-hmm. But either way, it, which is it one or the other, or are they doing a little bit of both in this movie? They're <clears> obviously <throat> doing some of both, because they know if the band broke up or not. Right. right. I think they were trying to tie this movie up in a nice little package. Or make it more dramatic. It's more dramatic if, if well, the band breaks up and then gets back together right before Live Aid. Right. And it's more dramatic if Freddie Mercury knows that he has HIV. And he has more of a motive to do the Live Aid concert. Mm-hmm. Where and in- you have this emotional mm-hmm. scene where they're getting practicing for Live Aid. And then he can tell them, mm-hmm. and he's I have about, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me apologize for my voice not being the way it should be. And you can tell that he's reaching for those notes whenever he starts the Bohemian Rhapsody song, you know, on Mm -hmm. their first time on stage. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it did seem like they were kind of wrapping it up. So for me, the question is, what's okay? Is it okay in a biographical film to skip over some details and you know, like I said, wrap it up in this nice little package and make it more dramatic? Or is it more important to get the facts straight and maybe the movie is a little longer or maybe you have to cut out other parts, you know? And I think it is because it's a dramatization. It's not a documentary. True. So if it's a documentary, you got to present the facts and how it was. This is like a dramatic retelling so do you feel like all the critics, all the criticisms that, you know, critics are being too hard on this movie, do you think? I think so, because I enjoyed it more than most critic reviews are saying. Mm-hmm. I thought it's very entertaining. I was entertained the whole time. Yeah, I know some of the differences now just because I've read some of the stuff on it. And I don't feel like it changes anything drastically about my enjoyment of the movie, the entertainment factor of it. Or the purpose of the story. Right. It's still sad that he was so conflicted. We got all this great art out of all this conflict he had in his life that we still enjoy today. And it's sad that he contracted HIV and died in 1991. And I don't think any of that changes. Right. With however you tell it. Because I'm a huge fan of the Walk the Line movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell me that everything in that movie was historically accurate you know you've got an hour and a half to two hours two and a half hours to tell the story of somebody's you know life or is in in bohemian rhapsody's case two decades so i agree i i enjoyed the movie um for sure do you want to talk about the oscar so i feel like the only Oscar shot this has is Rami Malek. Um, I don't think we've got anything else going for it. I think it's been hurt by the fact that Brian Singer was the director and the allegations that came out. And so I think people, aside from Rami Malek, are going to stay away from voting for this movie regardless of whether they think it deserves it or not. I think it hurts it that they're not putting it in musical or comedy at the Golden Globes. Because Rami Malek has no chance of 
I think he would have a chance of winning Best Actor in a Comedy or Musical, especially because Bradley Cooper is going to be in a drama for A Star is Born, but he has no shot of beating Bradley Cooper. Mm. And then that means he's going to be less likely to be nominated for Best Actor. So I think that hurts its chances as well, personally. And I think that's sad because I think he did a really good job. And he is respected in the industry. He won an Emmy for the first season of Mr. Robot. He won Best Actor. What about costume, hair, and makeup? I think that would be tremendous. I just think people are going to avoid this movie because of Brian Singer. And maybe that's one of the reasons, uh, unknown reasons, that they fired Brian Singer right at the last minute so that they could get more uh, representation and, and the Oscars, maybe. It but could... they but they hired Brian <clears throat> after all of these allegations came out. The thing that I was reading about is everything kind of came back into focus with the Harvey Weinstein thing. Mm. Because, you know, people knew about people's sexual misconduct, but then when the Harvey Weinstein thing broke, it kind of then it became brought, a big deal. It became a big deal. And then Kevin Spacey's thing and it became a big deal. With this. And they had probably already hired Brian Singer to do this work, right? Oh, yeah. He'd already started working on the film. And then last year in December, the third allegation and lawsuit came out. And this is not... And I'm not downplaying anything else that's happened with anyone else. But this is not adults saying that... Allegations of adults saying that they were raped. This is minors, there's three allegations with court cases of minors saying he rapes them. One, a 14-year-old boy saying that he was drugged and raped. Mm-hmm. So this is a... So that's probably why the... Probably played a right. part in why he was fired. In addition to... Uh, apparently he had problems with Rami Malik on set... And he was behaving erratically, showing up late, um, and then was having some family issues and didn't show up on set for like three days in a row. And <coughs> that may have been kind of the. And you never know; it could have just been they wanted to fire Brian Singer earlier in the process, but they were probably conflicted because he was already knee deep into the work, similar to Zack mm-hmm. Snyder in the Justice League. He was already knee deep into it, and then when he had that terrible event where he. You know, he lost his daughter. You can tell in this movie that the going back to the pacing, it's just very choppy at times. Yes. And you can tell that someone else came in and tried to put their touch on it. I mean, like, how do we get to the barn where they recorded that album, A Night at the Opera? How do we even get there? Yes. You know, why didn't they put dates on the screen showing at what time and, and what time was this going on at? You know, so um, <clears throat> all because of maybe outside things that were going on that no one knew about. So. And that's interesting to think if that's what part of the pacing issues were. Yeah. Because he was fired with two weeks left. And then I'm all curious the what... Which I'm curious what was... Comes into play. Well, what was left for the two weeks? To was shoot. it shot in chronological order? Meaning, mm-hmm. were the last two weeks the Live Aid concert? And that's why it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb? You know, I guess we won't know. Overall, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, same I think it's here. a good movie. I would see it again. I would see it again too. And I think similar to what you know, Freddie said in that beginning of the movie, I'm going to give the fans what they want. I think this movie was for the fans. I don't think it was for the Oscars. In my opinion, 
I agree with you. And so when you look at it from that angle, then um, I think it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Okay, so that was our review of Bohemian Rhapsody. We want to hear from you guys on what you thought. Uh, send us an email and let us know at pbnj at the movies at gmail.com. That's the letters P B A N D J at the movies at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.